Philip Wegman. Philip, hi, welcome to the program. Hey, Pat, thanks for having me. Yeah, Philip is the uh, Real Clear Politics White House correspondent, and I thought it was a great time to have him on uh, because being Tuesday, and that's the day he's normally on, and this Tuesday, uh, it is the State of the Union address. So, uh, d- now, did I just did I just ruin the surprise for you? Did you know the State of the Union was tonight? <laughs> uh no, I uh, earlier this afternoon, I thought to myself, I don't ever sleep on the job, but I'm going to take a nap because this thing is going to start at nine o'clock. Right. And if history is any guide, uh, the president is probably not going to wrap up till at least 1030, uh, which means that it's going to be a late night for me. Yeah, because then you've got Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, the newly minted governor of the state of Arkansas, and she will be giving her rebuttal after that. It's it's going to go until about 11 or 11.05. But listen, the the gods are with me, Philip, because the IU basketball game tonight starts at 6.30. <laughs> so, so if we don't go into overtime, it should end at about 20 till 9, so I'm all set. So Who's, who's IU playing tonight? Uh, they're playing um, uh, Rutgers. Okay. Which, which, that's one of the scores they need to even here because Rutgers beat them, you know, uh, at their place. So we need to beat them here. So, but you know, listen, I'll take care of the basketball. You take care of the politics. Um, you, do you want to trade? Uh, <laughs> not on your life. Uh, so uh, you can do you can do twelve hundred words for me. You just have to file sometime before midnight. Is that is that when you have to have it in? Uh, in all likelihood, before midnight. Uh, but you know, I think my editors. Um, if I've got an angle that will stay fresh until the morning, I think uh, I think I might be able to file it a little later. Have we'll there see. ever been, maybe not with State of the Unions, but have there ever been other incidents where something kind of big is going on? You just know it's going to drag on. You don't really want to wait and post it in the morning because of other stuff going on. So you like you do the story with certain holes in it, and you can run in <laughs> at 11.45 and plug in the holes and just hit send? Yeah, so um, this is really interesting, and I think it gets to something that affects journalism, but then also affects the way we cover politics generally. Okay. Um, Because the news cycle is so much shorter now uh, because of uh, social media and the Internet, a lot of reporters end up pre-writing their stories, which is something that has happened, you know, since the, you know, the beginning of time, right? Right. But... There's so much more of an emphasis to get an immediate story out there as quickly as possible, rather than taking a breath, looking at context that, um, you know, sometimes reporters uh, just in order to beat the clock, uh, they make mistakes. And I'm not talking about the way that, you know, maybe reporters in the 60s, 70s, 80s or 90s um, would have to race the clock because obviously you had to get your stories in and edited before literally the press rolled right um but now there's so much more of an incentive to be first because maybe that story about the chinese spy balloon maybe that piece of information you have is only relevant um for actually about an hour yeah and i think that and that's one of the things i feel really blessed by real clear politics um you know when when the rest of the media really is uh, you know, racing, and don't get me wrong, we race at, at RCP, but um, we we do our best not to fall over ourselves uh, and not to um, try and fall trapped to the, the um, 
you know, temptation to, to give readers instant gratification on whatever topic, because, um, you know, if you do that, you ride this high, uh, if you get it right, but if you get it wrong, you erode your credibility. Yep. And I think that, uh, you know, certainly the press has eroded a lot of its credibility in the last couple of years. Well, and you know, and, and that's not only true now with those of you, and although it's not going to physical press, you're doing this online, but talking about you in the, in the modified print media is where I will place real clear. Um, but, you know, for those that are on radio and TV, but they're still so overwhelmed with the idea that they've got to be first. I mean, I've actually, I've actually been sitting, and not just CNN and, and MSNBC, but I've heard it happen on Fox, too, where sometimes they're so fast to get the story out that something will have happened. I'll hear somebody's story live on the air, and I'm like, I'm not really sure I would have gone to the bank with that. And then usually within about four hours or four days, they have to come back and say, you know, we misspoke a little bit because of blah, 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 and all that. And I'm like, baby, you got nobody to blame but yourself. And what happens also in those moments of pressure is, um, you know, you you have, um, you know, reporters who are, are really racing to uh, publish by deadline. Um, and sometimes if they don't have all of the facts uh, straight, you rely on the prevailing narrative. And uh, just uh, this month, the Columbia Journalism Review, which is sort of just this trade magazine for, for journalists who like talking about themselves, actually did a really good retrospective and pointed out that there were a lot of reporters during um, the Russia Gate days yep. that fell back on the narrative that there was collusion. That was their operating um, that was their operating assumption, and it turned out, you know, there, there was not collusion. Yeah, uh, so there, there was a lot of crow to eat back there. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot. And sometimes you could find out that not only is somebody pilfering information from somebody else's article, but if you know the authors around town real well and you read what somebody's done, you can almost tell from whom they pilfered. Yeah. Uh, so w- what do you think happens tonight? Let's let's talk about the, because here's the State of the Union, you know, and, you know, I know Fox is, and we here at well, well, we're doing an hour before the speech. And then he's announced into the hall and he comes in and everybody's screaming and clapping and, and all that. Um, and, and, and the congresswoman from Houston is right there on the aisle uh, to shake his hand and to hug him because she does it with every president, including Republicans. Um, but Sheila Jackson Lee will be there. Um, and then he'll finally make his way. He gives a copy of the speech to the vice president, copy of the speech to the Speaker of the House. I don't think the Speaker of the House will rip the speech in half when he's done tonight. Um, but, you know, when I look back on that, Philip, I, I look back and I'm like, I cannot believe she did that. I mean, I really can't. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and somebody told me that she could have been in trouble for that because um, that's actually archivable material. That's an official copy of the speech. I don't, I don't think she cared, <laughs> but but wouldn't that have been fun? <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, now we'd have a Speaker of the House uh, violating, um, you know, archives record <laughs> requests. Look, I, I think that um, my editor Carl Cannon, who's uh, Father Luke Cannon was a biographer of, of Ronald Reagan, and uh, my editor Carl, he he uh, was pretty respected in his own right. He's been covering these things since the 1980s, and he made a point that took a little bit of pressure off my shoulders earlier in the day, where he said that besides some of those theatrics, Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech, 
or uh, Ronald Reagan pointing to um, a, a citizen hero who, who saved um, someone, uh, I believe it was in a, um, a plane crash over yep. the river here. In yep. it, was, it was the Air Florida crash in the Potomac. The question is, can you remember a memorable line from either a State of the Union or a address to Congress? The one that sticks out in my mind is the um, State of the Union that Bush delivered after 9/11, and I think that that people might correctly nitpick and tell me, well, that was a you know a, a address to Congress, not necessarily a State of the Union. Um, I remember listening to that on the radio uh, with uh, with my my dad, but otherwise, State of the Union addresses don't really. Uh, change the needle. Yeah. Look, look about the biggest controversy currently. It's whether or not um, the White House and congressional Republicans are going to negotiate over the debt ceiling. Biden has already said that he won't do it. Republicans say they're going to force some sort of extra, some sort of concession to reduce spending. Neither side is going to come to a big agreement uh, based off of this speech tonight. If anything. This is uh, just an opportunity for both sides to um, draw lines in the sand and complain about the other side. Right. No, that's exactly correct. Um, Philip, let me ask you this, uh, and I'm not trying to be funny here, because the, the debt limit and all that is monstrously important. The president is going to play it out. You have to give us this increase because these things need to be taken care of. Um, you know, my position would be similar to some of the Republican sides. If you don't start taking care of the deficit, guess what? There's going to be no America in the near future to share anything with anybody. Um, and, and, and that's a sad state. But do you think the white balloon shows up anywhere in tonight's speech? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Kevin McCarthy walks in with a white balloon uh, tied to his wrist. The president has to address this. Um, we certainly expect him to. Because the Chinese spy balloon was um, a major distraction. You had the January jobs report come out that showed that more than half a million jobs were created uh, that month. And rather than being able to uh, revel in that good news, you had the president um, deal with a lot of criticism that he took down this balloon, not over uh, the Pacific Ocean, but that he waited until it was across the country to take it down over the Atlantic. The opening the, the opening thesis of every single one of these speeches, whether it's Republican or Democrat, is that the State of the Union is strong. And then it is that the State of the Union is secure. He has to shore up tonight, and we certainly expect him to, um, some of those concerns because congressional Republicans were alarmed that they weren't told earlier about the balloon. And so I think that what we're going to hear from the president is a more full explanation about why he waited, um, a a defense of his decision. And I think that, um, you know, I think that's going to be, uh, ironically, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll learn more and we'll see that some of the early criticism from Republicans um, was a little short-sighted. Um, we might we might hear from the president exactly why uh, this wasn't um, the big problem that um, you know McConnell and McCarthy said that it would be. Um, that it actually you know maybe was um, you know a good opportunity for uh, the United States to flex its muscle. I think we'll hear something along those lines. Yeah, I, I th- here's here's what I think, um, which. And this is nobody's thought but mine. 
if we waited for that balloon to clear the East Coast and then basically took it down as soon as we could, and that's what we did, we knew that it was coming unless we're just totally stupid and our reconnaissance as a government and as a military is nowhere near what we think it is, and we did not know that it was crossing over to the Aleutian Islands until it got well into Alaska and the northwest corner of the United States. If that's the case, we've got more problems than I thought. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point, Pat, because the president tells us as he walks out of Marine One into the White House the other day that he ordered the Department of Defense to take the balloon down as soon as possible when it entered back into the United States, quote, from Canada. That seems to imply that the DOD was either not in a position to take it down over Alaska or they didn't spot it um, until after it had passed over the Aleutians. And um, certainly, I, you know, I, I cheered when the thing went down over the Atlantic and um, you had, uh, you know, the public watching it fall to the earth um, from, from Myrtle Beach. But, yeah, w- were we just unaware that this thing, which is the size of three school buses, yeah. uh, was floating on um, over Alaska? And, and did we only really get on the ball once it was over Idaho and Montana? Yeah. See, it, and I, I'm sorry. I just can't believe that. I just literally can't believe it. Um, because how would we have known it was over Idaho? Mm-hmm. You know, so somewhere, somewhere along the way, somebody said, "Are you guys seeing this?" And and I've got to believe. I mean, if our defenses are anything near what they're supposed to be, they had to know. In fact, they probably had to know before it actually got to the Aleutians. You know, because mm-hmm. I could see, I could see Ronald Reagan, or I could even see Trump, to be honest with you, going on TV and saying, "You know what? I've just been made aware." That we have a a uh, aircraft of some kind, balloon, something that's coming from China, and it's about ready to cross into our airspace. And I'm telling President Xi right now, I don't want trouble with you, but you better get that thing down because if you don't, we will. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and and we were nowhere near that kind of posture. What was interesting about this is that the administration uh, made it known that there were previous balloon incursions uh, during other presidencies. The Trump uh, alumni, they have all sort of said, wait a minute, we don't know about any balloon. Yep. Um, you know, maybe maybe they were in the dark. Um, I, I think that uh, there will be some explaining there because he needs to explain his decision on the balloon and then move forward and talk about uh, what he sees as some, some good signs in the economy. Now, if you were doing the speech tonight, would you do the balloon early or would you do it late? I would encourage the president, uh, no one pays me for my opinion, but I'll go on record and say this, I would encourage the president uh, not to be verbose, but to be very brief. Everybody likes a 20-minute speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to go. Uh, Mama just told me the cornbread's done, so <laughs> I got to get home. Um, no, I, I would I would love a, a quick speech. And, and I tell you, I've, I'm really afraid, now, getting away from the balloon, but I, I think there's a lot of opportunities here for the president to continue in what I'm calling some of his misinformation that he's been uh, doing a lot of late. And, and that's what I'm afraid of. I'd, I'd probably like to hear more about the balloon and less about his comments on why it is that we're where we are 
financially, why our debt is is a big burden, and why, you know, in, in the last 10 years it's exploded. And that's not all on him. But, I mean, to sit there and act like it's not there, I guess that's what infuriates me, is is we're, we're like, well, we can't we can't be out of money. We can still print bills. You know, I mean, it, it's like one time my, my, my wife, when she was a little girl, was talking to her dad, can we go get something? And they said, no, we, we can't. We don't have enough money for that. And she's like, well, we have to. We still have checks. You know? and, but, and, 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 and as innocent and cute as that sounds, uh, that's the way our government functions. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I've covered uh, three administrations now, um, very briefly, the Obama administration. But I still remember uh, Republicans kicking and screaming about spending under Obama. And then during Trump, what did they do? Yep. Um, they, they increased spending. I asked Kevin McCarthy about this when he was at the White House, whether or not white, uh, Republicans had credibility when it came to spending. His argument was, well, if you look back at the times when Republicans were in control, uh, we increased discretionary spending, but not as much as uh, Democrats did. Both sides have a poor track record on this, and both sides are more than hypocritical. The problem is that this is not just a um, you know political exercise. This is real dollars and cents, which are going to turn into you know anchors around the futures of uh, my generation, the next generation, and we're seeing that currently because uh, there is a connection when the Treasury decides to. Um, you know, print so much money, inflation is, is through the roof. I asked uh, Brian Deese the other day, uh, Biden's economic advisor, about right. Biden's claim that inflation was a problem when he arrived. That's clearly a falsehood. It, 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 inflation was not a problem for Biden. No, um, not even close. All the spending. Yeah. Their argument was, well, the pandemic was here and later it was the war in Ukraine. That's what drove inflation. Okay, okay. yeah, whatever. You know, you, you can always find a mole somewhere that you want to blame that. Well, there's why it itches right there. You know, I mean, it's just, it's like if you keep looking, you'll find something. Hey, I've got to run. I'll tell you what, I would give almost a year's salary tonight if all the Republicans would walk into the House chamber and every one of them was carrying a white balloon. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I think that would be amazing. In, in fact, if you make that happen, I'll give you my year's salary. How's that? I'm just glad that things uh uh, not over the United States, and it's in pieces now. Yeah, well, and let's hope that there's not another one coming. Hey, listen, thank you very much, Philip Wegman, always right there in Washington, D.C. He's the White House correspondent for Real Clear Politics. Philip, I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks. Hey, thank you. Podcasts by Federated Media.